In school, testing is an opportunity to reveal your understanding. In life, testing is an opportunity to reveal your faith. Sometimes God puts us in difficult positions to test us. And believe it or not, many of Jesus' miracles involve the testing of that faith, that faith that we have in Christ. There's a lot of times that God puts us into positions to test us in that faith that we claim to have in our life. The miracle of Jesus walking on the water marks the second, not the first time, that Jesus used the storm on the Sea of Galilee to test his disciples. Have you ever thought about the fact that sometimes the problems that you're going through in life at this point in time may be engineered by God so that you will learn how to depend on him for times of of even greater stress that you're going to have in your future? Have you ever thought that maybe some of these things that we're going through, although a lot of times they are self-initiated upon ourselves, have you ever thought that maybe some of these might be a test that God is putting us in? God is always up to something in the lives of his people. And this week, we're going to learn what he was doing through his son, Jesus Christ, the day that he walked on water. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with federal, state, and local authorities, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. If this had been an actual emergency, the attention signal you've just heard would have been followed by official information, news, or instructions. This station serves the Northeast Illinois area. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Welcome guys to episode two of Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore and this is my podcast. Hope you guys have had a great week as we've uh, gotten into almost the last week in January of 2021. It's hard to believe, but at the end of January is just right around the corner. Last week in my first episode, I told you that this week we were going to talk about does Jesus, does God test us? Does Jesus uh, ever put his disciples through a test? Um, Does that mean that we go through testing sometimes that God puts us in and initiates? We're going to talk about that this week and probably on into next week. This will probably be a a two-week series that we'll get into. And we're going to be taking our text today from uh, three of the Gospels, actually. But we're going to start in Mark chapter 6. And we're going to be reading verses 45 to 52. So if you have your Bibles handy, you can grab those. And uh, we'll go ahead and and get into some, some scripture here for this week. 
So, I just played that awful, horrible noise that is the emergency broadcast system. And I just thought it would be kind of funny to start out with that this week and uh, kind of just add a little bit to what we're going to be talking about today. Because we're going to find out what happens when Jesus walks on the water. We're going to find out uh, some, some testing time for the disciples and, and the things that they brought out of that testing time when this happened. So if you remember back to the uh, emergency broadcast system horrendous noise that we just listened to, at the height of the Cold War, the emergency broadcast system was initiated in our country to allow for the president to address the entire nation in times of emergencies. In time, the emergency broadcasting system was expanded to an interagency system that could be used in state and local emergencies. In between the years of 1976 and 96, the EBS was used more than 20,000 times in civil emergencies and who issue severe weather advisories. If you do not know what I'm talking about, you just heard it. We just played it a while ago. This is how this usually happens whenever that test starts running and I work for a radio station, so we even do tests of these things on a regular basis. On a nice clear day, we'll run a test of the emergency broadcast system. And whenever that happens, it says, this is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct the test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. After that, the, the commentator would continue on, and there would be about 40 seconds worth of the most awful piercing whale noise that you've ever heard, like we just heard earlier. And then after that would follow this script. If this had been an actual emergency, the attention signal you just heard would have been followed by official information, news, or instructions. All radio stations and TV stations are required to run that periodically throughout the year just to make sure that it's still working. Like I just mentioned earlier, we do that where I work at. We run a test of that all the time. And I know that we've all heard that. You guys have heard it. I've heard it, we've seen it on TV, we hear it on the radio, but what I want to tell you today is that I'm pretty confident that God has his own emergency broadcast system designed specifically for us, his children. And he conducts these tests in our lives on a regular basis, whether if we realize it or not, these tests are put there so that we will be prepared when we have real emergencies. God wants to make sure that whenever something comes up in our life that we're able to handle that. And so I, I feel that he puts us in these tests sometimes um, in order for us to see exactly where we stand with him and to help us grow. As we open our Bible today in Mark chapter 6, we're going to visit one of these tests that he, he did at, at a time with his disciples. And something that I want you to know about this miracle of Jesus walking on the water that's talked about here in Mark chapter 6 um, is recorded for us in both Mark and it's also recorded in Matthew and in John, but only Luke is the only gospel that does not record it um, out of the four gospels. In all three cases where this miracle is recorded, it always follows right after the feeding of the 5,000. And we're gonna find out why that happened also as we go through this study. Before we look at these verses, I wanna remind you that over in chapter four, the storm seemed to be almost demonic because remember Jesus rebuked that storm that storm that took place at that time, he rebuked it like he would rebuke a demon, and that storm was quelled. Here in this situation, this is a different storm. This storm is simply a reflection of the wind blowing in the wrong direction. The disciples were having a hard time getting where they wanted to go, 
So those two storms are different. In the first storm, Jesus is in the boat with his disciples, even though he's asleep in the boat. This storm here in chapter 6, that we're going to be talking about in this study, he's not in the boat at this time. Only his disciples are in there. He actually ends up coming to the boat as this story unfolds, but he's not in that boat during the storm. So these are two different storms. It's the same Jesus, the same disciples, the same Sea of Galilee, but it's two separate storms in those two particular stories. So we begin understanding this by examining the pattern of this test in verse 45 of chapter 6. And it says, Immediately we are told that Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. Now the reason that we know the importance of the feeding of the 5,000, the story that precedes this, and the walking on the water in the storm, is because in the Gospel of John, he connects these two together for us and helps us understand something that we wouldn't know without his writing. So here's what John tells us about the feeding of the 5,000. In John chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Then those men, when they had seen the sign which Jesus did, which was feeding those people, said that this is truly the prophet who has come to the world. Verse 15, When Jesus perceived that they were about to come to him and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So Jesus understood that these men, when they spoke, they were going to come up and try to take Jesus and make him this king. And that was not God's plan at that moment. The crowd that had been there that day when Jesus fed them was dangerously fueled with messianic fever. They saw that Jesus did, and they wanted to make him their king right then and there when they saw him feed all of those people. I mean, why not? They make him their king to get free fish and chips, right? <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Um, like they always say, the, the way to your heart is through your stomach a lot of times. And Jesus realized what they were up to, and he didn't want that to happen because he knew that his time had not come yet. It wasn't time for him to become the king. And so the Bible says two things happen. First of all, Jesus went to the mountains to pray. And it says that when he did that, he made his disciples get into the boat and go to the other side of the sea. You see, the people who had experienced the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, they immediately wanted to crown Jesus king when they saw that take place. And Jesus knew that this time had not come, so he had to get away from the crowd to keep them from doing something that they should not be doing. So what's intriguing about this is that reading between the lines, the feeding of the 5,000 was actually a failure. Neither the crowd nor the disciples got the message that Jesus was intending to convey when he performed this miracle. For instance, Jesus wanted the crowd to join him in thanking God for what he had done. He wanted them to see that they took these, these few loaves and these few fishes and it multiplied and fed up to 15,000 people. And he wanted them to understand that this is a miracle that God had performed. But instead, according to John's account of this same miracle, they just rushed in and tried to make him king. And that's not what he was up to. That was not his intention at that time by feeding them. He intended for his disciples, who are participants in this miracle as well, that they would take some giant steps toward understanding who he was. Instead, you get the impression with the disciples that with each basket of leftovers that they picked up, they're standing there flat-footed and complaining. What are we going to do with all this food? I mean, they're just they're picking up basket after basket of leftovers, and 
they're looking at where are we going to store this stuff? What are we going to do with all of this? You know, rather than looking at the miracle of it and understanding who Jesus was. In other words, the crowd's saying, what's next? You know, they're there for like this primetime show or something. They see a miracle. And they think, oh, I can make him, we can make him a king and then he can do something next. You know, something even huger. And, you know, they're kind of looking at it for the entertainment aspect, I guess you could say, and to put him into a leadership position. The disciples, on the other hand, they're saying, so what? You took all this and multiplied it into all of these baskets of food. You know, big deal. What are we supposed to do with all of this now? You know, you made all this extra food. It's created this huge problem for us on how we're going to store all of this and what we're going to do. It. So in essence, neither the crowd nor the disciples got it. Neither one of them. They both failed that test of that miracle that Jesus did that day. The real issue in this is that Jesus had done a miracle, and his hope was that the disciples would come to know who he was, as they do at the end of this story, and that he was truly the Son of God. He had no intentions whatsoever of hastening the day of his becoming king over Israel. That was not his intent, so that wasn't going to happen. So Jesus goes on to the mountain, and the disciples are sent across the sea so that they can get away from the crowd. Now, the interesting thing about this miracle is, once again, a rhythm that we've noticed in the Gospels that I don't want you to forget as we go through this. That is that this time of testing that we're going to examine with the disciples comes after a mountaintop experience. Remember that often, this might be something you might want to write down, the depth of the wave is equal to the height of the wave that goes before it. I want to say that again. Often, the depth of the wave is equal to the height of the wave that goes before it. Oftentimes, after a mountaintop experience, that's where that valley comes in. We not only know that because the scripture teaches it, we know it because we actually live that. And we have that happen to us in our lives on a daily basis. When we have a moment of great victory in our lives, we all know about that mountaintop experience that we have. When those victories come, we know that at that time we are most vulnerable than we ever are. In fact, as you go through the scriptures, you can actually see this rhythm as it takes place in your life. You see it in the lives of the disciples and you see it in the life of Jesus. You see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. For instance, after Elijah's victory, if you remember that story, when he had his victory on Mount Carmel, he was chased down by Jezebel who was trying to kill him. After Jesus was baptized is another instance. The Bible says that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After Paul's vision of heaven, he was given that infamous thorn in the flesh that we've taught about before. After the mountaintop, you always want to look out for the valley. Because you can almost guarantee that when you get to that pinnacle of that place where God wants you for that moment in your life, that it's going to dip back down and you're going to go through this valley right after that that's going to try and test you and see exactly what you learned from that moment before when you were up on top of that mountain. So as we read this story, this story illustrates that. According to this story, a famous Old Testament scholar of past years, he was a man by the name of George Adam Smith, he was climbing the Weisshorn, which is above the Zermatt Valley in Switzerland, and he was with his guide. It was a stormy day, and they had made the ascent on this mountain on the sheltered side of the mountain. When they reached the top, George Adam Smith was so excited and so exhilarated by this view and everything that he was seeing, the fact that he had made it to the top of this mountain, that the thought that he was going to see what he would be able to see when he went up to look, he rushed up to the edge to look and the wind almost blew him off of that mountain. Smith was grabbed by his guide and his guide pulled him back. 
He said, on your knees, George Adam Smith, on your knees. You're only safe up here when you're on your knees. When I was reading that story and I was, I was hearing that story, I was thinking to myself, you know, there's so much truth in that, isn't there? When you've had your mountaintop experience, you better get on your knees. Because that's when the enemy comes and that's when you're the most vulnerable. And we might sit there and say, well, why is that? We feel exhilarated. We feel like maybe if we're not careful, we've done something. We've reached a goal. That's when he loves to come and bring us down. We're in that, that moment of victory when we have surpassed an area in our life where we just didn't think we was going to be able to. He will come in and he'll rush in and he'll try to deflate that balloon that we have. And he'll try to take away any of those accomplishments that we might have had in our life at that point in time. And so we need to make sure that when we get up there on those mountaintops, when we reach those pinnacles in our walk with Christ and, and get to those places where he is trying to bring us to so that we can learn from those and have the best experiences that we're going to have in our life with him, we need to make sure that we don't lose focus of where we're at at those times. We need to make sure that we keep focused where we need to be focused and make sure that we stay on that path on our knees in prayer and ask God to continue this learning stage in our life as we're building our faith through these mountaintop experiences and to understand that Satan's going to come after us after those mountaintop experiences and he's going to try to drag us down. He's going to try to beat us down. But if we're on our knees, that's where we can fight like a man or we can fight like a woman. God will always be there with us through all of that and that's how we grow. So we're going to stop here for this week, and we'll pick this up next week. We might actually have a three-weeker here. I'm not real sure. I've got several pages left to get through this little study. Um, but this is a, a good start for this story, and uh, we'll, we'll cut it off here, and we'll pick up next week uh, with this. Does God test us? Does he put us through these times of testing sometimes? Or is this all just a self-inflicted thing that we that we put upon ourselves? I think as we continue this study and as we finish it over this next week or this next couple of weeks here, I think you'll kind of come to an understanding that yes, sometimes we do inflict these, but there are other times when God comes in and he wants to test us a little bit to see where we're at, how much we've grown in our faith. So hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I'm out of here for now, and we'll be back here this next week, uh, the same time, the same place. Please share all of this. If you would, this is uh, something new for me, so I'm trying to get out there. And uh, anybody that you think might be able to benefit from this, my website is connectingthegap.net. And you can go there. You can see these podcasts posted there. You can download the Apple Podcast app or, or the Podbeam app, the TuneIn app. There's several you can download. Some of them are audio only. Uh, the Apple Podcast and, and Podbeam will be videos. You can actually watch what we're studying each week. Um, but please help me. It's on YouTube as well. My YouTube link is on my website at connectingthegap.net. So, so all of you guys out there that are enjoying these so far, if you would just share those for me and help get the word out there to somebody that you think might benefit, um, that'd be greatly appreciated. Well, I'm out of here until next week. You guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week.